something's changed with our family vacations over the years, especially as we've had more kids, and maybe you can relate to this. For example, instead of picking the restaurants that we love to eat at, we pick the ones that offer a free meal for our kids any given night of the week. <laughs> so we usually look up the restaurant that'll feed them, and then that's, you know, that's, that's where we go. But another thing that's changed over the years is the amount of preparation that has to be done before we go on a trip. So before, when it was just my wife and, and myself, um, we'd pack our own bags. You know, we were responsible for that. We'd make sure we had our, our wallets. We'd turn off the lights, lock the doors, and then we'd just go. It was just open road and good times, and we didn't really have to think about it much. But nowadays, I feel like we're, we plan about six weeks out. We make a list. Like, we actually have a list. Um, before we came down here to visit the first time, um, we put together a list. And, and then we do one four weeks out. Uh, we do a list two weeks out and then the week of. And by the time our vacation is actually over, I need a vacation from my vacation. So can anybody else relate to that this morning? Yeah. It also never fails that I'm the one that usually ends up forgetting something really important. You know, sometimes it's a toothbrush, sometimes it's shampoo, something I, I really need. And, you know, most of us, we've had moments like that when you're ready to go somewhere really fun and then you forget something really important. I can't tell you how many times we've pulled out of our driveway and, and gone, I don't know, 100 feet, and then we turn right back around. And we do that numerous times because we forget the things that, you know, really matter on the trips. But as I think back to the vacations that we've had, the times that we've had as a family, you know, it would have been really easy for me to just blame my wife for all of those things, all the things that were left behind. And I'll be honest, sometimes I do that. I just put all the blame on her. And maybe, maybe that's you this morning. You know, when, when you forget something, the first thing that you do is you blame someone else. You, you blame your spouse. You blame your brother, your sister. You blame your kids, your, your, you know, your, your grandparents, whatever the case is. But I was thinking about the message this week, and this is going to be really important for us to remember. Um, it, it's really hard for me to hear, but at the end of the day, um, I'm the one responsible for how prepared I am for the trip. All right, I can't put that on my wife. I can't put that on my kids. At the end of the day, I'm the one who's responsible for how prepared I am for the trip that we're going on. So I want you to take that nugget of, of truth, and I want you to put it in your back pocket. We're going to come back to that uh, here in just a little bit. So if this is your first time with us today or you missed last week, we're, we're currently in week two of a four-week message series that we're calling Storyteller. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a closer look at some of the parables that Jesus taught throughout the New Testament Gospels. And remember, we talked last week how a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And uh, Jesus chose to teach him parables so that the people who were truly seeking a relationship with him, the people who truly wanted to apply the truths that he was teaching to their life and live them out, um, could do so. That's why he was teaching in parables. You know, this is a message series, as I've prayed about this and thought about this, this really is a message series that is centered around personal spiritual growth and spiritual growth for our church. And it's been my hope that over the next few weeks, um, you, your relationship with Jesus would, would be one that continues to grow, that you would grow closer to God. And that you would also, and we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school today, you would be stretched, right? You'd be stretched to, to serve and be involved in ways that you never have before right here in the local church. So last week we talked about the parable of the prodigal son. And remember, we talked about how this parable is, is so well known. It's one of the most well-known stories all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. It ranks right up there with some of the most popular stories that you've heard growing up. Well, the parable that we're going to look at today 
um, illustrates another uh, important truth. Uh, you know, the prodigal son was all about how, how we choose to love God and love others um, really does matter. It, it makes us the kind of church that we're going to be. And the truth that we're going to talk about today, you could argue, uh, in this parable is much more personal and much more urgent in the way that we choose to hear it and apply it to our lives. So, church, this parable is about a wedding. All right? And there's some words that um, we're going to not interchange because they don't show up, but just the terminology. Sometimes it calls them bridesmaids and sometimes they're referred to as virgins. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. But I don't know how you feel about weddings. Maybe you're here today and you love weddings or maybe you hate weddings or you're somewhere in between. But we get the impression throughout the New Testament that Jesus loved weddings. He loved weddings. In fact, his very first miracle took place at a wedding. Um, Jesus would often describe his relationship to the church by using a wedding illustration. And the Apostle Paul, all throughout the New Testament, he emphasized the importance of marriage when he compared it to Christ's relationship to the church. We even have a wedding that's going to be taking place here in just a few months in December. Uh, Gunner and Mackenzie, go ahead and stand up, you two, real quick. We're going to embarrass you this morning. Everyone give them a hand. <laughs> All right, you can be seated. <laughs> so Jesus loved weddings. He got excited about weddings, and, and we should too. But, you know, on the day of a wedding um, in Jesus' time, the bridegroom or the groom uh, went to the bride's house for the ceremony. So they went there for, uh, for the actual ceremony part. And then when it was done, the bride and the groom, along with all of the wedding guests, they would go back to the groom's house. So they, they kind of they, they switched places. And when they got to the groom's house, this is, I love this, when you learn about the early church and, and the practices they had, they would have a feast that would last for like a week, all right? These people were foodies, just like me and my wife. They, they would, it would last so long. Now, the ten bridesmaids in our parable, or the ten virgins that it says, I'm going to use bridesmaids um, throughout the rest of the, the sermon today. Um, they were waiting to join the wedding guest. You know, they wanted to participate in the actual banquet, and why not? You know, they were a, a crucial part in the wedding. They wanted to take part in the banquet as well. But when the groom didn't come to meet them at the expected time, five of them ran out of lamp oil for the light that they had. And by the time they had purchased extra oil, it was too late. It was too late to join the party. So five were able to go in, five were not. And the bridegroom even looked back at them and said, and I don't know if he was a long way off or how, how he said this. You know, I don't know how it would have been. But he looked back and he said, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. You know, where have you been this whole time? I, I don't know you. So what does this mean for our lives today? Well, in the parable, Jesus represents the bridegroom, and we represent the bridesmaids, all of us. And the simple truth, kind of the umbrella truth that we're going to talk about, is that we're all responsible for making sure that our own relationship with God is in the place that it needs to be. In other words, you could say it this way, every person is responsible for their own spiritual growth. Every person. You know, Jesus has promised to return someday for, for all believers, but we don't know when that is. We're just told that we have to be prepared. That might be in our lifetime or, or not. But the bridesmaids in this parable, they, they all brought lamps with them, and this is the one thing they would have needed to be prepared for when the bridegroom would come. They needed that light to walk outside in the dark and wait. The problem was only, only five of them brought enough oil for the lamps, the only five were actually prepared. And the other five, they didn't bring enough oil. And when they were gone buying more oil, the bridegroom came back at an unexpected time and they missed their chance to join the party. They completely missed out. They weren't prepared. Now, I, I don't have a secret formula. 
all right, for, for each person to make sure that you're prepared for Christ's return. But we do have, what we do have is God's word, which teaches what God desires from each one of us. You know, as a church, we believe, and we're going to throw this uh, up on the screen for you, we believe that God's word calls us to believe in Jesus, to believe that he is who he says he is. We also believe that God's word calls us to repent of sin. As we read scripture, we see that as people, every one of us, we've fallen short of God's glorious, his perfect standard. If, if perfection is Christ, every single one of us, we miss the mark. So in repentance, we acknowledge that. and We say, God, I've, I've messed up. I need your forgiveness. And repentance is literally turning a 180. We, we rely on God. We rely on the Holy Spirit to help us make that change. And we also believe that God's word calls us to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. We know that God's word calls us to be baptized into Christ, to make that decision, and to be faithful in how we live our lives for Jesus. And we, we also know that the most important thing that we can do as followers of Christ is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. We've talked about that a little bit and how scripture even compares uh, how we love people uh, to, to equal importance to how we love God. And, and again, I don't, I wrestle with that. Like how, how is that supposed to be of equal importance? But to Jesus it is. So the question becomes this for our church. For you as an individual, as a family, as a church, how do we prepare for Christ's return? How do we remain faithful with the life that we've been given? You know, I've heard this question asked a few times over the years. And while I don't believe that there's a complete list of, of do's and, and don'ts, I wish it were that easy. I do believe that God's word gives us some specific truths that if we would pray about and apply to our lives, it's, it's going to help all of us grow in our relationship with Jesus and help us be prepared for Christ's return. So this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to suggest three ways that you and I can be responsible for our own spiritual growth while we wait for Christ, while we have that anticipation in our lives. <clears throat> so the first thing is this, is that you can use your time for Jesus. You can use your time for Jesus. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says these words, and we'll have this up on the screen. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every single opportunity, because the days are evil. So how were these bridesmaids unprepared? Well, they took lamps, but not enough oil. And when it mattered the most, they didn't have the light that they would need to wait on the groom. They didn't make the most of the opportunity that was given to them. And you see, that's, that's part of what having God's wisdom in our lives means, is that we choose to make the most of every single opportunity that we're given for the glory of God and for the good of others. I want you to do this for a second. Think about what an average day looks like in, in your life. Not the person sitting to your right or, or to your left, but in your life, what does what an average day for you look like? How do you interact with the people at your work? How do you interact with the people at your school? Um, how do you interact with, with neighbors or, or family members? How do you interact with people at church? And here's the kicker. Not the people that you already like, because that would be easy, right? How about the people that you don't like? And you might say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I like everybody. Well, I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> There's people in all of our lives that we really struggle to like. <laughs> you know, people that we really struggle to be around. So how, 
How do you interact with those people? You know, I believe that God has given us so many opportunities during the day uh, to help people have a bigger and more accurate picture of who he is, his character, his, his nature, what he's done in our life, what he's done for them. And we do that through the way we live our lives. People see that. You know, I also believe that our time is not our own and how we use it really matters. Again, I don't know what a typical day for you looks like, but I believe that a great place to start when we're talking about using our time for Jesus is to start praying for the kind of wisdom that God wants us to have. That's what this verse talks about. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So God, if we're living as unwise people, how do we have wisdom? Well, we, we, we start with prayer. We start with prayer and we ask God to give us the kind of wisdom that he wants us to have. And we do this so that we can begin to discern the best way to live our days. In the book of James, I love this. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, so if you're here today and you, just, you, you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So we start with, with prayer when it comes to discerning how to, to use our time for Christ, how to be wise. We start with prayer. We, we pray about who we spend our time with. We pray about how we spend that time. We, we pray about how we should serve. And then here's, I, I think, equally as important, we pray about how we should rest. You know, so often in our culture today, we're so busy. We fill um, every time slot that we have, and we forget the importance of rest. Uh, rest is a, is a, is a God-ordained um, institution for our lives, and it glorifies God when we rest in the right way. So maybe you're here today and you're like, man, you know, serving and getting to know my neighbors and, and all these things sound good. But I'm just like, I'm just happy to make it to church this morning. <laughs> you know, you're worn out. Pray about how you should rest. We need God's wisdom in every single area of our lives. Maybe for you, it's something that I didn't mention. But we need God's wisdom. Maybe you're here today and you felt for a long time that change needs to happen in, in your life personally. You, you've, you've known Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ your entire life for, for years and years. But there's something inside of you that, that feels empty in certain parts of your life. I want to encourage you with this, church. Pray about how you're spending your time. You know, are you, are you stuck indoors all the time, away from, from people, cut off from, from society? Are you, are you making it a priority to gather with other believers on a regular basis so that you can encourage each other, so that you can challenge each other in your faith, so that you can serve with one another? You know, we were never meant to live this life alone. And I fear that um, our churches have, have gotten smaller and smaller because we're pulling ourselves away from the people that we should be living our lives with and influencing and, and impacting. We were never meant to do life alone. You know, and if you're here this morning and you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The Holy Spirit is God. And one of his roles is to be our helper. And I believe that he wants to help us spend our time wisely to make the most of every opportunity that we have. So let's start with this. Let's start with, with prayer. And maybe for you, um, Prayer is a, is a scary thing. I just want to encourage you to go home and, and be by yourself. Just, just break away and just be honest with God. Just say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I know that I need to spend my time for you. I know that that matters. I know that that's a key uh, piece to the puzzle for, for me being prepared to meet you someday. 
I just need help. I just need help. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us, and we want to we want to pray for wisdom. We want to rely on the Holy Spirit and use our time wisely for Christ. Start with prayer and pray for wisdom. The second point, if you're taking notes, is this: is that I want to encourage you to use your talent for Jesus. You know, this is um, this follows the first thing. They they kind of go hand in hand, and all of these points really do, because in the same way that our time belongs to God, um, so do our talents and, and our gifts. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 7, we read these words. For who makes you different from anyone else? This is a rhetorical question as we, as we read this. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? See, God has entrusted every single person that he's created with, with talents and abilities. And we're called to use those eventually for, for his glory and, and not our own. And that might be in the area of, of art, music, athletics, or academics. But it's also true, and I would say this is a different category than, than just talents and abilities. It's also true with the spiritual gifts that God's given us. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage if it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So again, if you're a born-again believer, if you're in Christ, you've been given one or more spiritual gifts that you can use to help build up the church. You can use your gifts by finding unique ways to serve God and to serve others. And I would say this as a side note this morning. Regardless of what you think about yourself, regardless of how you feel about yourself, regardless of what others have told you in the past, you are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. And when we read scripture, God says that you are his son or daughter and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that? So what are some ways, some practical ways, that you can serve God by using your gifts here at OCC? Well, we have a growing worship team. You guys see these people up here every single week helping lead us and worship. And if you've been gifted in music, we want you to join the team. All right? That's one way that you can serve. We have new small groups that are going to be starting up soon, and we're going to need new leaders for those. So if your gift is in teaching and, and uh, encouragement, you just love to be around people, that's an opportunity for you to plug in and, and serve. We have a growing children's ministry and a growing youth ministry, and we're always looking for adults who, who love to share the love of God with kids. We have a missions ministry that helps connect our church with what God's doing outside these walls here in our community and, and around the world. And I know that in this next season, that, that is going to continue to grow and we're going to be so encouraged and, and be, have opportunities to be involved with what God is doing in that area. We need greeters who love to welcome people every Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe that's you. you just, you're, you're the person that, that you love people. You love to be around people and just saying good morning means the world to you. Man, that's an area to get plugged in. We need prayer warriors that are willing to pray on behalf of other people, even when life gets tough. 
We need men who love to preach and people of all ages who are willing just to step up and serve when there's an opportunity to serve. I, I hope you get what I'm saying here. I, the, we could just talk about this the rest of the day. The list is endless. But the truth is this, that God wants you involved. You know, today's game day, all right? What if we just went to practice and we never went to the game? You know, we never contributed to the team. God wants you to, to get in the game. He wants you to participate and use the gifts that he's given you for his glory and for the good of other people. I want to encourage you to pray about this. Talk to someone that, that you trust, a spiritual leader in your life, a family member, a friend. Ask them, what am I good at? We're going to have opportunities uh, to take a spiritual gifts assessment uh, shortly. Maybe if you've forgotten, you know, what are my gifts? We want to help you discover that and help you get plugged in using those gifts. No matter what your gifts are, there's a place for you here in this church to serve. I want you to hear that. It was never meant for you to come in these doors and sit and hear a sermon and then leave. There's a place for you to serve. Uh, for some of you, that's, that's physical. And for some of you, it's, it's praying. And for some of you, it's just being present, being a, a mentor to somebody who's younger than you. There are so many different ways that you can be involved. God wants you involved. Get plugged in using your talents for Jesus. That's, that's another way that we can be prepared to meet Jesus. So we use our time for Jesus. We use our talents for Jesus. And finally, this is, this is the last thing. We use our treasure for Jesus. Again, I want you to think about something that's a little personal for you. What, what are the things that mean the most in your life? I'm talking about things outside of family and friends because that's a given, right? We say the most important thing. We, we believe that. It's, it's our family. It's our friends. It's the people in our life. But think, think outside of that. What are some of the material things that you have that mean the most to you? The things that, that get you excited, all right? Maybe it's your Xbox <laughs> or your PlayStation. Maybe, maybe it's your bike, all right? I got a new bike this week. I think I have time to tell the story. Should I tell the story? I think I should. So, so my wife's been trying to get me to buy a bike ever since we've been here because there's trails everywhere. And uh, I was kind of reluctant. Like every day I'd come home and she's like, we, you need a bike. And so we go to different stores. I shopped around. I like to know what I'm buying before I do it. So I did all the research and I just needed something, you know, entry level. They could get me around, but we could have fun on. So she takes me over. We go to that River Trails bike shop. We ended up going like three times. The guy there, was he was a former police officer. I, I can't think of his name, and maybe some of you know him, but I think he was tired of me, all right, because I'd go in, and I was one of those people that were just like window shopping, and he's waiting for me to buy something, and I just wouldn't do it. Well, finally, I decided to pull the trigger this week, and she was like, well, I, you know, I could just go home and get the kids' bikes ready, and, um, and I said, well, you know, I'll just stay here and buy the bike, and she's like, yeah, you could just drive it home. You know, I'll just leave. Well, in my mind, I'm like, this is awesome. That's why you get a bike. This is going to be great. So I go in. I pick the bike out. I'm really excited. I get my phone out, and I'm, you know, looking at the time, and she texts me, and she's like, hey, it's only like two miles. So if you're a biker, that's not a lot, but when you haven't worked out in like two years, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> so I get like a mile into it on the way home, and my legs are burning, and it's, I, I, it's one of those times I'm like, I immediately regret my decision. So Maybe you're here today, and the thing that you love most in this world is your bike. <laughs> All of that for that, right? Maybe it's your house or your car. F fill in the blank. What is it that means the most to you? Well, as believers, and I'm going to just talk to myself for a minute. You can just listen in, because this is something I wrestle with personally. It's easy to look like we love God on the outside by the way that we pray, by the way we attend church, by the way that we choose to memorize scripture, um, even, even by the way that we step up and serve. But it's really hard to fake the way that we use our possessions. 
In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's, let us show the truth by our actions. You know, you read verses like this, and it has a tendency to hit you in the gut. It did for me this week. And, you know, I heard the question asked, what, what's the biggest challenge or the biggest struggle that the church faces today? And I think the answer is different for churches in different parts of the world. For instance, if you're a church located in the 1040 window, which is basically South Europe, um, Asia, India, and, and a large portion of Africa, I believe that realistically the biggest struggle that you face is probably physical persecution for sharing your faith. That, that's a reality. Here's what I believe, and I want you to hear this, and, and it's, it, again, it's hard for me to hear and, and, and accept, but I believe the biggest struggle that the church faces today in, in the Western culture in the United States is materialism. 100%. These verses, they give us an example of how we're called to lay our lives down for people, how we can help people who are in need. And again, just like last week's message, this, this point is so easy to hear, but it's hard to apply. And the question becomes this for every single one of us. How clearly do our actions say how much we really love God and love people? When it comes to using our treasure for Jesus, what do our actions say? Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Just how our time and our talents belong to God, everything that we have, belongs to God as well. We just get to watch over it for a while. That's the truth. As hard as we work for the things that we want, every, every good and perfect gift that we have comes from God. And we, when we start with that truth, and we start in that place, and we recognize whose possessions it really is, when we realize that um, we, we just get to be stewards, that's a, a biblical word, when we just get to be stewards of the things that we have, we begin to view it from a little different perspective. And I believe that while we watch over the things that we had, God, God gives us an opportunity to demonstrate generosity towards other people. And the reason for that is because he first demonstrated that towards us. Jesus is the greatest example of what genuine generosity looks like. The greatest example that we could ever see. Every week, we have an opportunity to come together and give. And I know what you're thinking. Here comes the... Here comes the pitch that I should give more. Or here comes the pitch about tithing. And that's not the case. I want you to hear this. Every week we have an opportunity to come together and, and give. And my hope is that when that time comes every week, that you would not view this time as, as an obligation or experience it as a moment of guilt. But that you would give as you're led to give. And that when you do, you would do so from a place of gratitude. Because of what Christ has already done in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't feel like you have to throw a buck in the plate just because somebody next to you did. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth in the coming weeks. 
But the point behind using our treasure for Jesus is that it's more about the motive than about the amount. There's a consistent theme throughout God's word, specifically in the New Testament, that uh, for Christians who, who are under the, the new covenant relationship with Jesus. And it's that our giving is more about the motive and the attitude than the amount that we give. That's what we see. God wants us to be a church that's generous, and I believe that we are. We talked last week about how we're giving almost 20% of, of everything that comes into missions. And, and I don't think it's a realistic goal. I haven't talked to the elders about it yet, so I might get fired for saying this, but wouldn't it be awesome if over the next 10 years we could be a church that gives 25% to missions? You know, God wants us to be generous in our own lives, and he wants us to be a generous church. But here's the key. He wants that to come from a place of gratitude, and that has to come from a place with, with the right motives and the right attitude. And we give because of what he's already done in our own lives. You know, he's given us the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, and that gift is forgiveness in Christ a relationship with Jesus, and the promise of eternity with him. One way that we can be prepared for Christ's return is to, to pray about how we use our treasure for Jesus. And that'll look different for every person here today. Remember, it's more about the motive than it's more about the attitude than the amount. I want to encourage you to pray about how God wants you to use what he's given you and how you can use your treasure for Jesus today. I want to close with a story, and we're about out of time today. I remember hearing a story a few years back about a man who was visiting an elementary school, and from what I understand, this was a true story. I heard it from another pastor. Um, but while he was visiting the kids, he made a promise that he was going to return, and he was going to give a prize to the, the student who had the cleanest desk. So he didn't say when he was going to return. He just put it out there. He said, whoever has the cleanest desk, you get the prize. He gave no indication of when he would return. But shortly after he left, there was this little girl, and she, she just announced to the class that she was going to be the one to win the prize. But the crazy thing was she always had the messiest desk, all right? Everybody in the class knew it. She had messy habits. Um, so her classmates, they laughed at her, and they called her by name. They said, Mary, you know, your desk is, is always the dirtiest. It's never clean. And she replied, well, starting right now, I'm going to clean it the first of every week. You know, I'm going to come in. That's going to be the first thing that I do. I'm going to just clean it up for the week. And they said, well, what if he comes at the end of the week? Well, then how about I clean it every single morning as we start the day? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to start my day right, and I'm going to clean it every single morning. Well, what if he comes in the afternoon? And Mary, Mary was silent, and her face lit up with, she, with excitement. And she said, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just keep my desk clean all the time. What's the point of that? Well, church, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. But we know that he's promised that he will. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, it says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Talking about Christ's return. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. I don't pretend to understand that verse or the context that's around it, but I do know that a promise has been made to God's people, and God has never gone back on a promise. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the bridesmaids. I hope I'm never like a bridesmaid, but <laughs> in the context of this message, I, I hope that I'm not like the bridesmaids that forget the oil. They, they didn't bring what they needed. They missed the opportunity to join the party. I want to be ready. I want to be waiting for Christ when he returns. I think our prayer should be, come soon, Lord Jesus. 
We should be praying that. We don't pray that enough. He's promised that he's going to return. And we can be confident that he's going to keep his word. So what are some ways that we can prepare for Jesus today? Well, number one, you can prepare by using your time for Jesus. You can prepare by using your talent for Jesus. Begin praying about and thinking about how can you be involved? How can you be active in this church? And three, you can use your treasure for Jesus. If that's a struggle for you, pray about that. Ask God to, to reveal to you the areas in your life where, where you struggle the most. As a family, we have to do that. Faith and I have to talk about that a lot. And then you just kind of get recentered. You just ask God to, to help bring you to a season and a place that's glorifying and pleasing to him. Use your time for Jesus, your talent, and your treasure.